Praise the Lord. So we're ready to go. Are you here to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Who's eager? Who's eager to hear the word of the Lord? Well, I am as well. I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm just going to give you God's word. Amen? So as you remember, over the last three weeks, we've been looking at God's power versus willpower. God's power versus willpower. God's power is the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. We've established that over the last two weeks, haven't we? We saw which this power is. The scripture verse there in Zechariah chapter 4, where the Lord says, He says, go and tell Zerubbabel, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it is amazing that we are living in these times and people are ignoring the Holy Spirit. Not only are they ignoring the Holy Spirit, but there are so many people who are trying to make the Holy Spirit do things which He is not. You look at a lot of funny things that's happening in churches today, and that is not the Holy Spirit. So my task is, I believe the Lord laid it on my heart, to preach about the Holy Spirit. You and I need to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Lord says, I will send you another helper. Everybody say helper. Another word is comforter. And this comforter will come and be with you and help you. But how can you let somebody help you who you don't know? And this is so many times what's happening. And if you don't know something, you won't recognize it. Is that right? So today I want to talk to you about the ministry or the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? He's this power. He's this... And, and remember what I said last time. The Holy Spirit is not just a, a wind. Like some people are saying he is. There's teachings out there. There's groups of churches and, and hundreds and thousands and millions of people who believe he's just like the wind. Because the Bible says he's like the wind. He blows where he wants to blow. But they misinterpret the scriptures. They misinterpret them. He's not just a power. You know, a spirit power. He's not just that. I mean, then you can watch Star Wars. I don't, I don't watch Star Wars, but you can go, let the force, well, how do they say, let the force be with you, or the power be with you. It's not that kind of power. The Holy Spirit is a person. And if you understand that, you will learn more about the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is important to know. But before we get into the Word, I want to ask you the question, what is this guy doing? Come on, tell me. He's driving a Porsche. What is he doing? Is that a Porsche? I didn't even know it's a Porsche. Well done, Lynn. <laughs> I just saw the picture and I put it up there. It is a Porsche, yes. What is he doing? <laughs> is he smiling? He's happy? He's everything? But I think Glenn said it best in the beginning. What is he doing? He's driving his car. Isn't that right? That's what we all say. He's driving his car. But I want to, I want to challenge you on that. I want to say that he's not driving his car. His car is driving him. His car is driving him. He's not driving the car. If you think about this, the car is the one who's giving the power. Am I right? 
I mean, you get in your car and you turn that ignition and what happens? That motor comes and I've had a V8 in my life, man. I love that sound. But you know that there is power sitting right there under the hood. And the power is ready to go. You just need to put your foot on that accelerator and what happens? You know, little Michael says, vroom, the car goes, vroom, he takes off. But whose power is that? Is that the man's power? No, it's not the man's power, it's the car. The wheels are giving momentum and the steering wheel is only there to, to keep you in direction where you want to go. You see, the man is working with the car, with the attributes of the car to get to a destination. So you're not driving your car, you're just a passenger in the car. Yeah, but listen, pastor, preacher, I've got my hands on the wheel, and if I don't press it, if I don't put my foot on an accelerator, it's going nowhere. Yes, you're absolutely right. Then you're going nowhere. Then you are not driving the car. The car is driving you. It's like, you know, you say, I'm going to the supermarket. How are you going to get there? Well, I'm going to take the car there. No, no, the car is going to take you to the supermarket. No, no, this is a man who's driving his car. This man is driving his car. Think about that. He is giving his power. He's pushing really hard against it. The momentum is slow because of the weight of the car. It's hard to push and to steer and to keep everything in line. Have you tried it before? I remember when I was a young man. I'm still young. Don't, don't start that. But when I was a younger man, I, I had a VW Beetle. And, and you know, that VW Beetle learned me a lot of these lessons. When you run out of petrol and you move it off the road, and, and that happened to me as a young student, run out of petrol, and you go, oh, you know, the prayers didn't help at that point, but, you know, then you get behind it and you push, and there's nobody who can steer this thing. What happens? It's difficult. It's really difficult. Man is working with his attributes, his own attributes, to get to the destination, and the car won't go there, because the wheels will go in this direction, and then the wheels go in that direction, and then uh, just as you get up to a little bit of speed, there's a small little rock in the road, and the wheels hit that, and what happens? It breaks your momentum. Well, brothers and sisters, dear friend, this is a simple illustration to show you how people are living without the Holy Spirit in the world. Christians. Because we saw that the world don't know Him because they don't want Him. You see, we want to push the Holy Spirit in the direction we want Him to go. We want to do this to the Holy Spirit and say, no, 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 we're going to do it our way. And you know what? If you don't start the car, if the power of the car is just sitting there, it's not going to help you in your life. No, no, we need to come to this point where we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. In us and through us. So I'm not only going to show you pictures this morning. You know me. I'm a man of the word. I love the word. Remember what the word says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. So he says to Zechariah, the Lord of hosts, he says, this is the word to Zerubbabel. Remember Zerubbabel? He was doing this. Zerubbabel was doing this. He had to rebuild the temple. The people wouldn't do that. They got lazy. And he started making his plans. He started working really hard. And there you are. You know, you go, I'm going to try so much harder in my Christian life. I am going to try harder. I am going to do this. 
Nothing wrong with coming to the Lord and say, Lord, change my life. But when that happens, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and work with you to change things in your life. And here he's in a Bible. He goes, I'm going to do this. And the Lord said to him, not by might. You see the might there? Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we remember, one, we remember what 1 John 1 verse 8 says. He says, the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. Now, how do we get the truth? And you remember last week we, have, uh, we worked through these verses. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. This is, this is the whole gospel in two verses here. He says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed. How do we get this truth in us? How did we get the Holy Spirit in us? What do we do? We come to the gospel. He says it right there. The word, you've heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. The gospel will bring truth into your life. Having believed, he says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. In the book of Acts, you remember a man by the name of Simon. He was a sorcerer. He saw how, how, how the men of God worked and how the Holy Spirit was poured out. So he came to them. And they thought, everybody thought, this man is a great man, Simon. So he came to them. When he saw them laying their hands on them, and the Holy Spirit was given to those people, he wanted to have the same power. But he came to them and says, he wants to buy it. Let me ask you the question, can you buy it? Can you buy the Holy Spirit? Never. Never. You haven't got enough money. In fact, this whole world don't have enough money. You can have all the billionaires as your friends. And you can use all the billionaires' money in the whole world. You know, Elon Musk. What is this lady in here in, in, in Australia? Reinhardt, is it? Reinhardt, you can go to her and you can befriend her and say, look, can you give me a loan? Can you give me a billion dollars? You can go to Bill Gates. I don't even know why I mentioned his name in church, but uh, anyway, you can go to any one of these people and ask them the money. You can have all the money in the world, but you cannot buy the Holy Spirit. There's only one way you receive the Spirit of God. And it says it here in John chapter 3. You remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he, and he says, well, is it that you, you're, a, you're a man of God you're, because you do all these things. And Jesus said to him these words. He said, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. These two words here on the board you need to see. He says, the gospel of your salvation and here he says, you must be born again. Those two goes hand in hand together. Born again and the gospel of your salvation. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It is there by faith I receive my sight. It's there by faith, believing, having believed. It's there by faith I receive my sight, and now I am happy all the way. 
You see, brothers and sisters, we need to understand the Holy Spirit. We need to understand God's Word. I want to, and I said it so many times, there are so many Christians who are sitting in the church today, so many, who do not know these things what I'm talking to you about now. Nothing. For them, it's just coming together and it's a nice place to be. It's a lot of friends. We're going to shake hands. There's a lot of programs there. Man, we love the pastor. We love the worship team. We love the building. We love all of the ministry leads and everything. But it's not about Jesus. And I'm saying they are missing so much. Young man, young woman, you are in the beginning of your life. You're going to meet somebody. Make sure you walk with the Holy Spirit. The way that you find Him is at the cross. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew, Greek, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into the one Spirit. So when do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's a very good question. And I know... I know it's a very contentious subject out there. There's so much division within churches amongst brother, brethren, amongst what happens here. So at the cross, when the Lord saves your soul, He gives you the Holy Spirit to come and live in you. He said, but what happened with the outpouring on the day of Pentecost? Yes, then it empowers you for ministry. So that happens as well. But, but the first thing you need to make sure today is, are you saved by the blood of the Lamb? Are you born again? Have you believed? Were you sealed by the Holy Spirit? You see, otherwise, you're going to be like this man, just pushing on in your life the whole time. You're going to come to me and you're going to say, this Christian life is so hard. I'm trying so hard. I want to love that person, but it's so hard to do. I, I put self little rules for myself and to do. Whenever I'm going to see that brother or that sister, I'm going to smile. I'm going to do it. And then you walk up within you, inside, you still feel this unhappiness about that brother or sister or, or somebody. There's still a root there. But as you walk up to them, you try your hardest to put a smile on your face. And then you smile to them like this. And everybody can see you don't mean it. It doesn't come from that. You see, this is when you try to do things. Whilst when the Holy Spirit comes, you can surrender to Him and say, Holy Spirit, help me to forgive that brother and that sister. And then it will come naturally through the Spirit of God. Naturally. You remember Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'm very strong about this over the last few weeks. For it is God who works in you. Who? Who is working in you? For it is God who's working in you. Now again, I'm going to take the privilege here. I don't want to take scripture verses out of context. So I take it that you've already read before Philippians chapter. This church here loves the word of God, don't they, Glenn? Yes, we study the word. So if, if, if I come here and I preach something out of context, you will know it straight away, wouldn't you? So I take it as privilege that you've read before verse 13 and you've read after 13 and you've read the whole book of Philippians. And you must do so. But here for now, it is God who works in you to do what? Both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You need to allow Him to do His work in you. That's important. But that's what people don't do. They want to do it. Let's just take this verse, and I'm going to unpack it for you for a few moments. 
1 John chapter 1 verse 8. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. And I love this chapter. You know that I say it. I love this. What does he say? He says, if we say that we have no sin, what happens? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, everybody say confess. Come on, we can do better. Confess. He is faithful and just to forgive. Everybody say forgive. Confess, forgive. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse. Everybody say cleanse. So it is confess, forgive, cleanse. Those three words stand out there. He says faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we are telling a lie. Now, if you look at this verse and you just break it up open a bit, the word there for sin comes from the Greek word harmatia. Hamartia, not harmatia, hamartia. That is the Greek word. It means to miss the mark. Now, I'm not a darts player, and I just want to use it as an example because it takes a lot of skill to hit the bullseye on a dartboard, yes? Now, you can stand there, and you can put the dartboard up there, and you can take the darts and throw it for the bullseye. Now, if you can hit that bullseye 100 times out of 100, you can say, man, you're very good. Am I right? But if you miss it one out of the 100, you are missing the mark. Now, brothers and sisters, it's a simple example again. But the mark here is God's law. This is what it is. If you think about the Old Testament, God gave His law. And, and before Christ, we had to obey the law. This is what the Old Testament saints did. Or the Old Testament uh, people of God did. The Israelites, the priests, they had to obey the law. And here he says, if we say that we have no sin, hamartia, it means that we miss, if we say we don't miss the mark of God, you as a person are so good in yourself that you are obeying all the laws in the word of God, all the laws. Forget about Christ, the law. He says, then you deceive yourself. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one good. They've all turned aside, David said, speaking lies. From my mother's womb, David says, I was lost. And this is what he's saying there. He's saying that we all miss the mark, which is God's law. And then he says, we deceive ourselves and the truth, the truth is not in us. Now, what is the truth he's talking about there? When he talks about truth, we need to unpack that. And the truth here is the truth of the cross. It's the truth of the cross, but there is three volumes in that. It's not only that. In John chapter 14 verse 17, it talks about the spirit of truth. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. So in other words, if we miss the mark of God, the hamartia, then the Spirit of God is not in us because He says the truth is not in us. Can you see this? He says the Spirit is not in you. 
And if you sit here and you say you're a Christian, you're a child of God, and you haven't come to the cross and you're not saved by the blood of the Lamb, you can say, you can sing the songs, you can quote scriptures, but brothers and sisters, the truth is not in you. The spirit of truth is not in you. John 17, 17 says, the word is truth. He says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. What is the word there? Jesus is the Logos in John chapter 1. So again I say that if you, if you miss the mark and the truth is not in you, then the word is not in you. You remember in the Psalms when he says, how can a young man keep his way right before God? How? By putting his word in his heart, by keeping his word. And then the third one there is in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus said to them, he says, I am the truth. Can you see how these scriptures just comes to life? I love this. I'm absolutely excited about this. You know, when I study the Bible, this is what I told you. I told you one thing about the Word of God. This is a book which you will not exhaust in your whole life. You will not come to the depth of this, Jay. I mean, you know it and I know it. You can study it. I mean, you can turn 80, you can turn 90, you can turn 100, you can turn 200, even 1,000 years old, if you can, and study the Word of God, and you will never find the end of it. So he says, if you miss the mark, you deceive yourself, and the truth the Spirit of God, the Word, and Jesus is not in us. But if we confess, what happens? This is a wonderful word. It means to say that we say the same as another. That's what the word means in Greek. We agree with somebody else. That's what confession is. Now, when we confess about your sin, who do we agree with? We agree with God. We agree with God. And how do we know that we fall short? We study the Word. We study the Old Testament. And we see in the Old Testament that the law was only a tutor. It was the, test, the, the Lord just brought us to grace. And then we found grace in Jesus Christ to come. And we behold them, John says. He said we could see Him. We saw His lifestyle. We heard His preaching. And this is where we confess, we look at it. In, in the book of James, it says we look into the Bible as a mirror. And who do we see in the Bible? Who do you see in the Bible? Where? From, from cover to cover, who do you see? Come on, say, Jesus. You know, it is, it is like when you open it up and you read the whole chapter in a passage, all you can see in there is Jesus. Now, when I wake up in the morning and I go stand in my bathroom and I look in the mirror, who do I see? <laughs> yes. And that first self that you see of yourself, you go, man, I better clean myself up, yeah? You've know, you got to get the sleep out of the eyes. And then you get, when you get older, you get some stuff you put on to take the wrinkles away and you need to try to do this. And you, and you come, you're here, well, I don't have to, but I just... You know, I just brush these little hair up there, you know. You make yourself what? Because the person that you see in the mirror, you go, no, no, I need to improve that person. But brothers and sisters, when we look into this mirror, there's a reflection taking place here. There's a reflection. I look into the mirror and I can see 
that I fall short of what is there. Because what I see is Jesus. These men of old, the John, J uh, James, Peter, you name them all, they saw Jesus. And then they agreed with Him. They confess. I confess as a young man. I was living my life and I thought, man, I'm so great. I'm bulletproof. Look at the blood pumping through my veins. I can do anything I put my mind to. You remember that one? Until somebody brought me to the mirror. And I could look into the mirror and as a young man I saw, I'm lost. And I could see the reflection of Jesus. And you know what? Ever since he saved my soul, he's changing me into the image of his son. Bit by bit. He's changing me into the image of his son. This is what this word means. I'm telling you, I can preach the whole sermon just on that word there. To confess. I've already started doing it. I don't know if you've noticed. But, but this is how great it is, brothers and sisters. Never let the word of God just be dead. Let this on a paper. Never let programs replace it. Never let other man's books replace the word of God. But the word of God will give you life. As a young man, I saw that. Now, I'm by far not that. I've got still to change, and He's changing me daily. But I had to come to the point to confess, to agree to be the same. You agree that you are a sinner, and you need to change your mind about your sin. That's what you agree about. You see, the world don't want to preach that anymore. The churches don't want to preach that anymore. If you preach sin, this is it. If you preach everybody's acceptable with the love, oh, we've got to love you. The Bible tells you we love you, love you, love you. We will fill this place three, four times over. You know what I say? I don't care. Because the love of God came at a price. It's not cheap. So when I confess, I confess and I come to Jesus and I do to God and through Jesus the Father and I say, I agree with you that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. He says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive, to forgive us our sins. This means that there is a debt that is paid and they, they hold no record of wrong any longer. And you can shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There's no, the debt's been paid. That's what it means. He forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive. And that happens instantaneously, brothers and sisters. And it's the sins of the past, it's the sins of the present, and it is the sins of the future. You say, whoa, wait a minute, because there's a lot of controversy about it, preacher. You're really going to go there? Yes, I am, with confidence, because he does not live in a timeline like you and I do. He already knows what you're going to do three months from now. He already knows that. Let me explain to you. It's like a parade. Do you remember these parades? I love parades when these floats come past. 
And, 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 and as a young boy and a child, you're standing at the beginning of the parade and you can hear the music first, isn't it? That one of these marching bands at the beginning of the parade. You can hear them from a fair distance and people are ganging up around the road and they're just waiting, exciting to see this parade's going to come past. And then the marching band comes at the front and as they come past, you can only see the marching band and you go, wow, that looks good music. And then your eyes go to the next one. You see the first float coming past. And then the next one. But you can't see the back one. Normally it was the fire, isn't it? The fire brigade. The fire engines at the back. And every now and then they, they do the alarm. And you go, oh, they're still coming. I can't see them, but I know they're coming. And you're waiting. And as they come through, one by one, they go through. Until finally the, ambul- uh, the, the fire, fire engines come past. And then it's over. You see, that's how we live. But God is like when you're sitting in a helicopter and you go up into the air, maybe a hundred meters up into the air, and now you're looking down on the parade. What can you see? Well, you can see right there in the beginning, you can see the marching band and you can see all the floats and then you can see the fire trucks. All at once. Brothers and sisters, God sees your life all at once. He already knows your last final day on this earth. He knows it. Are you afraid of that? You shouldn't be because He knows about it. And He's already given you grace and power and strength for that day. He's given you power and strength for this difficult time that's going to happen at this point in your life. When it comes to sin, it's the same. It's the same. Did you know that God can visit, He can visit in your life, that He can go anywhere in this lifetime where He wants to go because He's God. I better get back to the Word. (laughs) Have we learned something out of that? Now He says, He forgive us our sins and cleanse. You know, I hear so many times people quote this verse and we confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and then they stop the verse. That's not where the verse stops. And to cleanse, the word there means to wash or to purify somebody as from all unrighteousness. You see the word there? It means your lifestyle. It means that he will cleanse you from your unrighteousness, your filthy lifestyle. You say, how does it work, preacher? Let me explain to you how it works. When I've seen it so many times over the years that I had the privilege to preach the word of God and to give the gospel to a lot of people and to see them saved. I've had the privilege. It's nothing of me. I was just a bystander to see the work of God happening in these people's lives. But I'll tell you what, some of those people, you know, the Lord saved them and their sin is they forgiven, but they had habits which kept on coming back to them. You know what I'm talking about. They were, they were saved. They were Christians. But these habits that kept on coming back. It is that lifestyle that the Holy Spirit is starting to maybe not instantaneously at the cross the guilt is gone there the penalty is gone there but what happens when that habit comes again what happens the Holy Spirit is there to be a referee, a reminder and we're going to see that in a few minutes I remember when, when the Lord saved my soul I came out of the army and look in the army they teach you one thing and that's to swear <laughs> they teach you a lot of things but they teach you to swear as well isn't it 
You know, you're among the men, you know, among the men. And a man, what does a man do? Man, a man drinks, and a man smokes, and a man swears. Those are the three things, you know. They, they make you, you know, you'll be really fit. They teach you about a rifle and to fight the enemy. But those are the three things that they do in the army. And for a lot of men, it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit. And I remember when the Lord saved my soul graciously, that swearing stuck. Every now and then he would say a word until the Lord dealt with that in my life. You know what I did? I'll just quickly tell you. I replaced the word, swear words, with the word jackal. You know what a jackal is? A little animal. And every time I wanted to swear, I used the word jackal. And I thought, hey, I'm doing good. You see, that's me pushing the car. I'm doing good. I'm getting better at this. Until I prayed one day and the Lord laid it upon my heart and said that I made that word a swear word. And I never used it again. Now I use it, and a jackal for me is a little animal. I better hurry on. You see that we need to allow the Spirit to work in us, and He worked in us when we confess our sin, we are saved by the blood of the Lamb, the Holy Spirit comes in, and it starts to work inside of you, but you need to allow it to work in you. In John chapter 14, verse 16, we, we dealt with this last week, He says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. That word parakletos means to come alongside and strengthen you. That is of the Holy Spirit, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for? He dwells with you. He dwells with you. He lives in your house. He's with you wherever you are. He's with you in your car. He's with you. When I jump in my golf cart, he's with me. When I jump on my bicycle, he's with me. When I jump on my scooter, Glenn, he's with me. When I walk in here this morning, he's with me. He says he's with you. How wonderful is it to have a companion who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, who will be there in difficult times. You walk into the boss's office, your heart is going like this, he's with you. You get in your car on the Monas, you remember the Monas, I told you this before, it's not the Monas, it's the Monas because everybody moans about it. You get on the Monas and what happens, you're sitting in the traffic, you're getting frustrated, he's with you. He hears what you say. It's so wonderful. But there's some Christians who live as if he's not with them. And then he's not only with you, but where is he? He will be in you. That is double. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I've got everything in life. I don't need anything anymore. I've got it. Purpose-driven life. No, no, I don't need that. I've got Him. I've got Him in me. I've got Him with me, the Helper. I feel so sorry sometimes for the world. They haven't got Him. Acts chapter 1 verse 80, But say, you shall receive power. The word there is dunamis. You remember that dynamite and dynamo power when the Holy Spirit comes over you. This year comes, this year comes when you are born again, instantaneously the Spirit comes and lives in you. This prepares you for ministry because he says dunamis. Why? Because for you and you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. I will preach as we continue in the next few weeks about the distinction between those two. I hurry on. You see, brothers and sisters, this is now powerful for me. When we talk about the Holy Spirit comes and lives with you and in you. Listen to this now. We need to look at the attributes of the Holy Spirit. This will bless you if you haven't seen this before. Because we just talk about His power. What is it? 
Is it just this power where people say fire or, you know, whatever fancy things they do? No, no, it's much more. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of its roots. Now listen to this now. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Who was he talking about? Who's this rod? Jesus. Out of the stem of Jesse. Who's this branch? Jesus. Well, tell away in your Bibles if you don't know this. Is it, when they say this in capital letters, it gives it a personality. It's not only a rod. It's a personality behind it. It's a capital letter. You see that rod? Branch shall grow out of its roots. Now, you and I remember that when Jesus was handed the book of Isaiah in, in, in the synagogue, he opened up where? Isaiah chapter 61. What is written in Isaiah chapter 61? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yes? Yes? What is the Spirit of the Lord? When did it happen? Do you know? It happened when he was baptized. Do you remember that? Now let me just say, all these books, because I've seen a few of them, all these books who said that Jesus as a small boy healed little birds and made them alive, that's all rubbish. Okay? It's, it's a waste of printing paper. Okay? Because Jesus grew up as a normal young boy into his uh, adolescence years up until the point when he were baptized and the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him and that's when his ministry started. Not before, that's when his ministry... Oh yes, wait a minute preacher, what about when he was a young boy and he walked with his parents and then he was sitting there and he had all the wisdom that he could talk and even the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes were, were... They said, wow, where is... Yes, that is not ministry. His ministry started after he was baptized. Because it says, I've heard a voice from heaven which said what? Behold my son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes? And then what came down? Like a dove, not a dove, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And this is it now. You think that is fantastic? You think that is exciting? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's seven attributes of the Lord. If we say, I'm going to rewind. I want to take it slow a bit. If we say, for he dwells with you and is in you, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now we fast forward and we look at Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I know he talks about Jesus. But Jesus said to them, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. Is whom? The Holy Spirit. So what does it mean? Is that Spirit resting on you and me as well? More than that. He's living with us and he's living in us. Now, if we say that is happening, now we look at the attributes which is coming inside of you. I want you to listen clearly. I want to talk slower here. See what happens. When the Spirit comes and lives inside of you, first of all, it identifies the Spirit. Because who knows that there are many spirits out in the world. And there are many spirits who want to come and live inside of you. We know about demon spirits as well. This identifies the Spirit, the first characteristic is the Spirit of the Lord. And it's again what I say, He comes and lives with you and in you. With Him comes what? 
Wisdom. Wisdom. So as a child of God, as a Christian now, when you come in front of a situation and you need wisdom, what does James say? He says, pray it from God who gives freely wisdom to you. What does wisdom mean? Wisdom means to apply knowledge. That's the, the explanation of wisdom. You know, I can have all the knowledge in the world. If I don't apply it correctly, I can hurt you. That's not using it wise. But now, coming, living inside you, you, the Holy Spirit gives you and, and lives in you. Let, let me correct myself or let me just take a step back because this is so big. And Lord, help me. Help me to give this word right to the people. You know, when is the parakletos? It means he comes alongside you and he's helping you. With what is he helping you? First of all, it's the Spirit of God with his power. Secondly, he comes and he gives you wisdom. Then he gives you understanding. How many times have you studied the word and you get excited about a passage? And you get to somebody and you say to them, Wow, this is so fantastic, man. See this. And you read it to them. And you can see on their faces. What do you see? They don't get it. And you, and you go, you must see this. Oh, it's so great. And you read and you explain. And then you go back like me and you explain and you explain. And they don't get it. It's understanding. They will get it eventually when the Holy Spirit allows them to see that. But that's the understanding, not only about the Scripture, but about Jesus. And then counsel. And might, might, and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Let me say that without the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to fear God the right way. You know our people, and there's a lot of Christians even, who fear God because of what He can do to them. If I'm going to sin, what's He going to do? <laughs> Crush them! No, no, no. That's not how we fear God. We fear God with a reference of who He is. That is how we fear God. And it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us to fear God. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us knowledge about God. You know when Jesus said, He says, when He comes, when, when I go, He will tell you all things about whom? About me. So this is what's coming inside of us, brothers and sisters. Now I'm going to stop there for today because I think I want this to to go in. I want to next week talk about John 14 verse 6 and you see I've already planned for this but I don't want to push on further than that. I definitely want to just stand there and let you understand that what comes inside of you is not just a little wind. What comes inside of you is not an idea. It's not a figment of your imagination. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is powerful. You need to understand that when you open up and you say, come Spirit, come Holy Spirit, you know, fill me up. What are you saying? Then next time, brother and sister, when you come into a situation and you need understanding, know that you can draw upon Him. You know, I can tell you testimonies, so many testimonies where, where I prayed in a situation where I didn't have the understanding of the situation, and the Lord just gave me a word of wisdom and a word of understanding. You know, I can't explain it to you, but I know where it comes from. It is the Spirit of God. Can you see now that when we talk about God's power versus willpower, what are you going to rely on? I want to rely on His power. I want to rely on Him. Now, let me just say before I pray, all of this, 
what I'm preaching, doesn't mean you just go back and you sit in your lazy chair and you say, okay, come, I'm going to soak you up, Holy Spirit, come and do your work. It doesn't work like that. How does it work, preacher? You take up your Bible, prayerfully, studying, reading your Bible, and allow God to speak to you. What do you mean by that? It means that if you come into a passage and you read about something and the Word of God convicts you, the Word of God convicts you, then you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Might, it's right there, Spirit of Might, Spirit of understanding. And you know already now that if He lives in you, that He will be there for you. He will be the paracletus. You pray to Him and you say, I lack in this area. I feel convicted. I am convicted. And then what do you do next? You agree. You confess. You say, Lord, this is a sin in my life. Will you please help me to overcome this? That's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how it works. And, and we're going to come in the next couple of weeks to the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is so misunderstood in the church. The gifts of the Spirit, it says, not the Holy Spirit. Go and read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. Have we learned something today? My prayer is just that the Lord will make His Word understandable to you. Heavenly Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. Father, I want to pray, Lord, that this word will go into hearts. And, Father, that we learn by that. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, whom Jesus said he will pray of you, the Father, and you will send it, and he will be with us and in us. I thank you that when we understand the attributes, the power of, of, of uh, the Holy Spirit, that we're not alone, that he helps us. And, Father, this morning, I want to anew say, Lord, Holy Spirit, work in me. I want to allow you to work in me. Show the things that need to change in my life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.